All right, everybody, what is up? Welcome. Happy Family Day weekend. Hopefully you're well wherever you are watching from. So great to have you with us. Uh, my name is Drew, if we have not met, and I'm a leader at Praxis Church, and it's Family Day weekend, and we've decided for this Family Day weekend that our Sunday gathering is just going to be online, purely online this weekend, and we're excited to do that, to give ourselves a bit of a rhythm, to just, you know, for some of you to be with fi- friends and family and to travel, but the other thing we're gearing up for is this Wednesday evening is Ash Wednesday, and Ash Wednesday is the first day of Lent, the Lenten season, in preparation for Easter. And so this Wednesday evening, we're going to be at Goodwill together for an Ash Wednesday gathering from 6 to 7.30. We're going to have dinner together. We have a taco bar that's going to be there. It's going to be great. And then we're just asking you to bring a side salad or dessert to share. And then we're just going to have an evening, a liturgy of worship and prayer together, really to begin the season of Lent on Ash Wednesday. And you may think it's counterintuitive, kind of, isn't it, to eat together on the first day of Lent, which is a season often known for fasting. Yes, it's what we do. We're kind of unapologetic about it. We're gathering. We're going to eat. But hopefully this will spur on for the Lenten season uh, some reflection for us and some fasting as we prepare our hearts for Easter. So here we are in this environment today. Join us Wednesday. Just let us know you're coming by going to mypraxis.church slash Ash Wednesday. Pretty simple how these things work. If you go right there, there'll be a place to sign up. Let us know you're coming and what you're bringing. All that, with all that said, we are right now in a teaching series on work and really excited to engage the idea of work and vocation. We started this last week. We're kind of engaging this today, and then we'll talk more about vocation next week, which I'm super excited about as we gather back together. Um, I am not, here's what I'm not going to do this morning. I am not going to read the creation accounts again. We're in this format this morning, and you're probably in your PJs, maybe, or maybe it's a little later in the day and you're joining us. Um, What you could do if you want is hit pause, and I encourage you to read Genesis 1, 2, and 3 if you have some time. Because last week, and again, if you weren't with us last week, this is not like a ploy to kind of get you to listen in, but it would be helpful if you went back maybe as well at some point and listened to last week, because we really tilled the ground on a theology of work from the garden narrative, from the Hebrew creation account. And so we looked, and basically the big idea is that humans were put in the garden in this good world to take care of it, to serve, actually the, the root word of to take care of it is the same word that's often used throughout the Old Testament for worship. And so we have been trying to obliterate the idea that worship is just simply coming to a gathering on Sunday and singing songs. Now, I am into that. We are into that. And by the way, that's in, a, in decline all over the Western world, which is a really sad thing because I actually think the regular gathering together to sing, to celebrate, to come around the the table in the scriptures is very, very important. But we have created, excuse me, over time, um, this idea that that's what worship is. And yet from the foundation in the garden, just like creation, just like humanity, work is good. But just like creation and just like humanity, that story doesn't last very long, that Just like creation and humanity, work is also broken. Thorns and thistles. There's toil, there's blood, there's sweat, there's tears. And we're trying to live into this tension. 
that you will work a third of your life. And if we just push this off as, you know, if we just push this off as this doesn't matter, come to church on Sunday, or even maybe even worse, if we push this off as, hey, just live your life, but try and get through to go to heaven when you die someday, I think we're missing the point. Proto-human was put in the garden to take the world somewhere. And we get on the bookends, we get the garden in in Genesis 1 and 2, we get a garden-like city in the end when heaven and earth come back together and Jesus returns. Guys, we're going somewhere. And that spurs on all sorts of questions around what you and I do, what we do with our hands, our minds, our lives, our bodies, um, what we create and produce, how we serve other people is a massive reflection on our worship, how we serve God. And so I think you're picking up what we're putting down. Um, we've got to just be careful just to like push certain things off as important, but then what we do with our lives every single day is not. And so that should just spur on all sorts of questions and really help our imaginations come alive to why we're here. We don't push against work as that's the bad thing and then come to church on Sunday. We say, no, 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 we gather and the outflow of that is people who work really well. Now, what I want to do today real quick is if this is our theology from the garden narrative from Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and we see that work has meaning and purpose, that proto-human was put in the garden with a job description, this was part of who they are, One of the questions we need to just ask along the way is what does this mean for us? So because we're online, I am not going to, listen, we are into the Bible. Um, I wrestle through this all the time. Obviously, we're very much immersed in the scriptures and often start with the scriptures. What I'm saying is if you want, pause and read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. But what I want to do over the next couple of minutes is just unpack, okay, if this is the theology of work, what does this mean for us? And I think there's a couple things. Ready? Number one. If this is true, this theology of work, what does it mean for us? Number one, what you do as a human being and as a follower of Jesus is deeply integrated with who you are. I actually want to push back a little because I know there's this kind of, we say these things kind of in the Christian world that it's more about who you are than what you do. And I I agree with that. I totally agree with that. But actually, when you look at it in totality, really, there's a deep connection between who we are and what we do. I would say we need to be cautious that it's just about who we are, but that who we are and how God has created and made us kind of brings forth this idea of what we steward with our lives and what we steward with our lives is actually doing things. Um, It's funny, and I've shared this illustration before uh, several years ago. A really good hockey player from way back in the day, his name is John Beliveau, passed away. He was a Montreal Canadian, so I can't even believe I'm using a Montreal Canadian illustration. But go Leafs go, right? But um, when John Beliveau died, there was lots of reaction. And so I was driving home one day from work and just heard on the radio people talking about John Beliveau. And the guy on the radio basically said this. He said, John Beliveau was such a good guy that even if he wasn't a hockey player, we would know who he is. This is kind of his case. It doesn't it didn't matter that he played hockey. He was such a great guy. Now, I've heard great things about John Beliveau. I heard he was actually a really legit human being, which is wonderful. But as I was driving, I got thinking, that's not true. <laughs> 
Can we just be brutally honest? We know John Beliveau because of what he did. And this is not a plea for popularity or anything like that. It's just to say that sometimes we just want to say it's about who we are when in reality, what we do is deeply connected to who we are. And I would actually say that this is the Genesis account. This is the story of humans and the new, crea- you know, the new creation that God is redeeming. Jesus followers, this is our story. We're created in God's image. Who we are deeply matters. But God gave humans a job description. He just didn't put them aimlessly in a garden to walk around. He gave them stuff to do and to cultivate and to take the creation project forward. And so a a reminder that what this means for us is what we do is actually deeply interconnected to who we are. Okay? That's the first thing. The second thing is this. And we've talked about this over the years of our community. The sacred secular divide needs to be absolutely shattered. The sacred, some things are sacred and good and other things are secular. Like those things are secular. It's kind of not good or it's kind of worldly. That, that idea with work, that needs to be that shattered. That absolutely needs to be shattered. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. There are things that are good in our work and there can be destructive work. And we'll talk a little bit more about this next week when we talk about vocation. But my assumption as I've been around Christians for a long time is we kind of pit work against spiritual stuff. And so we say some things are sacred, like some things are worship. And then every, you know, kind of the things we do every day with our lives, that's kind of out there in the the big, bad, secular world. And that just, we, can I just say, stop that. Let's just stop that as a community. And again, that's not to say that there are not destructive things, but we have been very much shaped by Neoplatonism, right? So back in the day, Plato, one of the ideas is that the soul is ultimately good, but the body is bad. So Plato's thing was the, ba- the body is like a prison house to the soul. The soul is good, the body is bad. And we just say that's not Christian theology, right? Come back in a few weeks when we do a whole five-week teaching series on the body. We, ha- we don't just have a body, we are a body, The material in which we inhabit is actually, it is a good thing and it is who who we are. We are not just floating spirits. And so it says to our work that, you know, we want to say like spiritual and churchy stuff is good and important and meaningful, but everything else is bad. And the problem is that is not the world of the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. Interestingly enough, if you were to ask Jesus how his spiritual life was going, he'd probably look at you pretty funny because it's life. And when we live filled with the spirit and under the rule of God, it says we break down this divide. Everything matters. We'll talk more about this, but I I also think it kind of fuels on sometimes where we look at things we like and enjoy. And the church, sometimes we say in the church that those things are like idols. And while certainly maybe they could be idols, We want to break this down and remind ourselves that God actually loves that we love and enjoy things in his good world. When it comes to creating, when it comes to taking the world forward, I joke often, when it comes to sports and entertainment, all these things, sometimes we want to pit them off as kind of bad and anti like what a meaningful life is or anti what is spiritual. And yet 
I think God's actually a lot of the times into the things that we are into. He's created us with passions and desires. And, you know, sometimes we want to pit certain things as our spiritual life when God wants all of us, our dreams, our desires, our talents, our gifts, our abilities. And so we got to break down the sacred secular divide. And this is why I've said for many, many years, the worst thing sometimes we do is we take talented, amazing people in the church and we say to them, the sum of your life is to hand out a bulletin on Sunday. Now, I know we're past bulletins now. Thank you, COVID, for expediating that, right? But it's true, isn't it? Like we think, and we need people to help and to serve, obviously. We need these things in our church community. But we say, this is the sum of your life when God's saying, yo, I've given you these gifts. Use them in the world to move it and take it forward. And so... Who we are is deeply connected with what we do. We need to watch just this sacred-secular divide and really break that down. And then just the final thing, as we look at the creation account and a theology of work, the final thing is this, is our work matters because God is not throwing this world out, right? So you read Genesis 21, 1 through 5, Genesis 22 as well, and you get a picture of heaven Coming back to earth, this great renewal, uh, this great renewal of the world that God is making all things new. Behold, I'm making all things new and heaven and earth coming back together in a redeemed space. And so when you read uh, Revelation 21 and 22, it sounds a lot like what? The Garden of Eden, right? You actually, the images and the, the, the feel you get is that this is very much like God's first temple, the garden, but now it's been taken forward and it's a garden-like city. And the reality that we're called into as the church, if our theology is right and good, is that we as the church work towards a garden-like city. You and I do what we've been called to do with our lives to get to a place where the curse will be lifted, Jesus is gonna return, heaven and earth are coming back together, and it's not some static place. It's not singing amazing grace over and over and over again. This is a world in which we will inhabit forever, and we will take it forward. And so, I always say this, you know, wanna know what's at war with the reality of God's kingdom? Escapism, right? And we do this so many different ways. We do this with the ways in which we cope, we try and escape, whether it's drugs and alcohol or whatever it is, and there's no judgment, but that's just, sometimes our realities we're trying to escape. But I've also seen with a lot of Christians, and I'm trying, I'm trying not to be judgmental here, but on the Christian side of things, sometimes we, we lean into this escapism, right? Whether it's kind of like heavy, hard rapture theology or you know, I was listening or saw a preacher talking about the glory realm and calling everybody to the glory realm. All of these things, whether it's drugs and alcohol or other ways of coping and trying to escape or it's the Christian kind of running on the glory train, all of these things are trying to escape from reality. But God's kingdom is reality. It's material. It really is. And so sometimes what we do is we say, well, I'm just doing my job to get to heaven when I die someday, not realizing that Heaven is going to be a real material world. And if we get down to it, the church is actually a means to an end. Right? 
The church is a means to an end in the sense it's not just going to be about church services on Sundays when in our future. It is going to be a completely renewed world where Jesus is at the center of everything and we worship him with our very lives. What we love to do, again, I joked last week, I have an argument, I think I, you know, maybe not scripture and verse, but I sometimes wonder what the new earth will look like in what we love, right? There's going to be hockey in the new earth. There's going to be football. I just know it, right? Um, and maybe I'm digressing, but the church is a means to an end because God's dream was and is that we would partner with him. That was his dream. So look at it. If you just think about it, the garden, we get co-ruling language. In the garden, Yahweh wanted to co-rule and cultivate with humanity. Then you get to the New Testament. Paul actually uses the language that as the church, what are we? We're co-workers. We come alongside and joining in God's mission. Happened in the garden, co-rulers. Now we're co-workers with each other and with Jesus. And then what is the picture we get in the new earth? We are co-ruling and cultivating once again in a renewed world forever. And so here's how I see it. If that does not get you geeked up and stir something within us to something maybe bigger and beautiful than what we've experienced, I just, I don't know what will. We're called to come alongside God and take this thing forward. In the garden, as the church, we're co-rulers in this great mission. But man, everything that you do matters. Let's bust down this, some things are sacred, some things are secular. And let's move towards all of us moving in our gifts, our abilities where God has placed us. And so, if we have this theology of work, what does it mean for us? It means a lot of things. What you do is deeply connected to who you are. Everything we do is worship and our work is not going to be thrown out. It matters because our work is not going to be thrown out. What we do in the here and now will, I think, bleed into eternity. There's weight here. So that's, that's, this is why this matters. And I think some things for us to chew on as a community, right? In just where God has placed you, what he wants to do through you, and I think for some of us, maybe we've bought into like it's kind of how the evangelical world maybe has shaped to think that we're just trying to get somewhere else. No, no, brothers and sisters, we're called to the here and now to worship God with what we do. So that's a call for us. I'm going to close our gathering here. Thanks for joining us. We're going to close just with a, a song today, just of reflection. And as our, our, as our team kind of sings this over us, May you just find yourself in the grace and love of Jesus. And my prayer is that he would do something within you and myself today to remind us that our work matters in this world. It is the way in which we worship. Let's join in together.